Good morning, Kavanaugh. We're glad that you're able to tune in with us, and we're thankful for the technology that allows us to do so. We know that each of us are in a unique situation right now, but let me remind you what Psalm 147 says. It says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Will you join with us as we sing?
Hey, good morning, Kavanaugh Church. Hope everyone's doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on our live stream. I know this has been a crazy time, hasn't it? I know that this whole coronavirus thing has kind of put us all in a situation where we're uncomfortable, we're not necessarily know what to do, but you know what? This morning, we're worshiping in spirit and truth together. Even though we're in a hundred different places, we're all united by our Lord's love, and that's what's awesome. So, we get to still worship together this morning, and we're so thankful that you joined us today. Uh, but know that you're on our hearts. We miss you. We love you. We wish you, we could be seeing you right now here at our church, but we know that God's got this, and we know that he has you in his hands, and we're so thankful for you. So, know that you're in our hearts, you're in our prayers, and we love you. And continue to worship with us this morning.
tells us, do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Father, as your people, help us to claim that promise and know that you are on your throne and that you are in control of everything that happens in our lives. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit just continues to work. And as our people come, and as we have offered up songs of praise, that you would be pleased with that, Father, and that as the word is opened, that it would be quick and powerful, we would hear it, Father, and it would change our lives. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you. There is none like you, God. There is none like you. We praise you for who you are right now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh. It's good, uh, good to have you online today. I wish you would be here in presence with me, but you know what? Uh, we'll do it how we can, and I'm glad that you're uh, viewing us today and listening to the Word of God. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and I know God's Word can speak to you today. On March the 29th, which is today, Sunday, Governor Asa Hutchinson has asked that all our Kansans come together for a day of prayer, asking that God would move in our state during the COVID-19 virus. So let's pray right now and ask God to work here at Kavanaugh, in Arkansas, in our nation, and in our world. Heavenly Father, I do love you. I dedicate the next few minutes to you. I pray, dear Lord, for those who are online and listening, that they would be spoken to by the Word of God. I pray, dear Lord, that you would bless our state, our country, and our world. I pray, dear God, that uh, there would be a cure found for the coronavirus. And I pray, dear Lord, for those who are suffering, that they would be touched by you today. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, from the church parking lot to my house, it is 3.6 miles. It's a great drive home. I can go a couple of different ways. One way that I go sometimes is through Fianna Hills. And when I get down to the end of Fianna Way and turn to the left on Highway 253, I get this beautiful view of God's creation. In fact, I can look off to my right just a little bit and see Kavanaugh Hill in Poto. It's the world's highest hill, 1,999 feet. I understand it is one of the seven wonders of Oklahoma. <laughs> it's a beautiful sight. But all along the way, if I drive that route, I see beautiful homes with perfectly manicured lawns. But that's just the outside. If you know the homes, you may know the people who live inside of those homes. Real people with real problems, broken relationships, rebellious teenagers, huge debts, abusive spouses, physical illness, all trying to deal with this crazy world that we're living in. But did you know there are broken lives all around us? In the house next door, the person you work with, 
maybe even someone right here at Kavanaugh Church. In fact, pain is one of the few things that we all have in common. Maybe you're the one whose world has fallen apart. Maybe you have a crushed spirit, or, or maybe you have a hidden heartache that is just too deep for words or too private for a public prayer chain. Unfortunately, no easy three-step method exists for taking pain away. We can dissect it, we can describe it, we can analyze it, but we can't make it go away. We can, however, learn to face it, fight it, and even learn from it. And that's the lesson that we learn today, which took place just down the street at Job's house. <laughs> In fact, let me begin with Job chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, There was a man in the name of, land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. And then we skip down to verse 6 and we read this story. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? And so Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Now guys, let me just say right now, this is a really interesting story. If it hasn't grasped your attention, it needs to. The devil was walking to and fro on earth, checking people out, seeing who he might destroy, and he's still doing the same thing today. But notice the next verse. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? He is a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns all evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. C can you believe this dialogue between God and the devil? Can you believe that God would throw Job under the bus like that? Well, I really think it's because God knew Job. and God was proud of Job. And so he said to the devil, Devil, take your best shot on Job. Do whatever you want to him, but you're not going to get him. And, and the devil did that. The devil took aim on Job with a diabolical onslaught. The next few verses tell us that the Sabaeans came down and slaughtered his oxen and his donkeys and several of his servants. A fire from heaven incinerated his sheep and his shepherds. The Chaldeans came and took his camel camels and even murdered more of his servants. An F5 tornado leveled one of his homes where seven of his sons and three of his daughters were killing all ten of his children. And if that had not been enough, 
the very next day, the devil comes before the Lord and says, God, if you will just lift your hand off of Job himself and let me attack his body, I can get him to surrender. And so we read this in chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. Wow. I, I can't even begin to imagine. These are terrible, tragic events. And any one of these would knock me down. But Job took all five of them. And what makes them even more terrible is the speed in which they occurred. For just as one messenger had reported a tragedy, here comes another messenger with another horror. And within a matter of a few minutes, Job's world was in a tailspin. His cosmos had become chaos. His world had fallen apart. Could he make it? Would he survive? The real question is, can you make it? Will you survive? Here are some lessons we learned from Job that can help us survive the dark days when our world seems to fall apart. So when your world falls apart, number one, you need to look up to God. You need to physically look up to God. For most of us, the response to tragedy is an internal self-pity. We say, why me? And we cry and we whine and we throw a pity party. Therefore, it is really interesting to me to note that the first thing Mr. Job does when his world falls apart is that he worships God. I mean, why would he respond to bad news with biblical worship? Or, or perhaps a more relevant question is, how in the world could he worship? Well, the answer is, Job had this unshakable faith in Almighty God. Faith characterized his life before, during, and even after this tragedy. Look at what he did in chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose... He tore his robe, he shaved his head, and he fell on the ground and worshipped. Now, verse 20 tells us that Job did three things there. He tore his robe, he literally ripped it in half, he shaved off his head, and he fell on the ground before God. All of these were acts of humility before Almighty God. And in the middle of all hell's fury breaking loose in his life, he worshiped God. And then listen to what he says in verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now church, listen to me. This is really important. Job knew what you and I better know. No matter what happens on earth or in my life, God is still on the throne and God is still in control. And so, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're having the best day of your life or if you are having the worst day of your life. God is still to be worshipped. That's the faith that Job had. And now, in verse 21... He gives us his creed 
in life. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job's faith was not based on his business or on his wealth or on his family or even on his health. His faith was in a God that never changes. And so Job could confess in chapter 13, verse 15, Though he slay me, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, guys, let me tell you, it it is so important to note that this kind of faith doesn't just appear out of nowhere. For Job, it was a way of life. It was something that Job had been working on and developing and building for years. How do I know that? Well, go back to chapter 1, verse number 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless. He was upright. He is one who feared God, and he shunned evil. So in verse 1, it gives us a description of Job, and it describes his life in four ways. He was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. And then in verses 2 through 5, it describes for us a day in the life of Job. This is how he lived his life every day. It says, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of all of his children. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did on a regular basis. This is just how Job lived his life. You see, worship was a part of his daily life. Therefore, when the bottom fell out, when his world fell apart, he didn't have to run to the bookstore looking for a book on seven ways to find God. He knew exactly where God was. He knew exactly where to turn. Why? Because it was a habit of his life. Back in the 80s, Angie and I lived in Fort Worth, Texas. I attended Southwestern Theological Seminary. A a tragic event occurred while I was there that, that I'll never forget. One night, a young seminary student's house caught on fire. He and his wife were able to climb out the bedroom window And then he ran back into the house to try to save their newborn infant. He never made it out alive. Their pastor was called. His name was Dr. Joel Gregory. And Joel went to the hospital. In fact, it was Harris Hospital. He was was driving there to see this this young lady who had just lost everything. And and in his car on the way to Harris Hospital, he, he had a conversation with God. And he said, Lord... What in the world can I say to this young lady? She's lost everything that is valuable and important to her. She's lost her her home, her possessions, her clothing, her car. 
Most of all, she lost her husband and her baby. What, what can I say, God? And Dr. Gregory, later in a book entitled Growing Pains of the Soul, tells the encounter that he had in the hospital room. He, he went to ER and he found this young girl in, in one of those areas where the curtains had been drawn. And once he walked in, he saw her sitting on the side of the bed. Her, her face was soot-covered. But before he could say a single word to her, she looked at him and said, Pastor, the Lord is the strength of my life. And in his book, Growing Pains of the Soul, Dr. Gregory said, this woman did not decide at that moment to view God in that way. Obviously, it had been her habit for years to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. And then when she needed it the most, it was there for her. Well, friend, if it is your habit to walk with God daily, then when the going gets tough and, and your world falls apart, it's only going to be natural for you to look up to him and worship him. Looking up to God does something invaluable for us. It will take your eyes off of your problems and put your eyes on the one who can solve your problems. I don't know if you're like me, but boy, I've just been, I've been consumed the last few weeks with, with ongoing news because the news changes almost every day. And so daily I'm, I'm, I'm watching our governor, I'm watching the president. I'm, I'm checking my phone for, for different advances or changes, and, and then I'll watch the news when I get home. But you know what? I can only take so much of this, and, and, it, and it becomes overload. And, and I don't know if, if you're the same way, but man, I start getting depressed. I'm thinking, we, we can't take this that much longer. How, how could we go another two weeks or three weeks or a month or two months doing this? There's got to be a break. And, and so I have to have a break from all the news. And I have to stop watching it. I have to turn my eyes from the TV or the phone or the computer and look upwards. And something amazing happens when I do that. My eyes go off of the problem and into the one who can solve the problem. So when your world falls apart, number one, you need to look up to God. Number two, when your world falls apart, you need to listen to God. The bulk of this book of Job contains the counsel and the advice given to Job. And let me just say to you, when, when your world falls apart, know this, many people will, will offer advice to you. But you need to be aware and beware of who to listen to. Several people in Job's life dished out cheap advice. In her own grief and rage, Miss Job explodes and lashes out not only at God, but also at her husband. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, she's eaten up. She's, she can't believe it. She's mad. She's saying, Job, I, I can't believe that you're still holding on to whatever integrity you had. Why don't you just curse God and end this miserable life? Remember this, suffering can either make you better or bitter. <laughs> and I think Miss Job had a pretty bitter taste in her mouth. She's not the only well-meaning counselor who offers some bad advice to Brother Job. He's got three friends who come to his side, 
and most of the rest of the book, they wrangle back and forth with Job, doing more finger-pointing than they do consoling and more preaching than they do showing mercy. And they try to do what no other person can do for someone, which is to declare dogmatically why good, bad things happen to good people and why all of us have to suffer. The direction they give is so off course that by at the end of the book, when God does speak to the three amigos, he says this to them. Job 42, verse 7, my wrath is kindled against you because you have not spoken of me what is right. And that leads me to a couple of conclusions about giving and taking advice. Number one, if you give direction to someone whose world has just fallen apart, make sure it's good, biblical, sound, godly advice. Don't tell them what you heard on, on Dr. Phil or you read in a book or what you think. Give them biblical advice. And number two, if your world has fallen apart, be careful who you listen to. Because ultimately, there is only one way that is the right way. And that's God's way. In fact, let me say it like this. God is the only one you really need to be listening to. There's only one way of salvation, that's God's way. There's only one way out of temptation, that's God's way. There's only one way to survive when your world falls apart, that is God's way. So out of my heart, let me speak to your heart. If you're like me and your world is falling apart, all you really want to know is why. <laughs> why is this happening? I mean, why is this happening in our world? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening to my family? And we not only want to know why, we want to know why right now. I've learned that God is more concerned about my character than he is about answering my question, why? Look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in absolutely nothing. You see, here's the deal. Job never knew about the conversation that God had with the devil. God never explained to Job that his life and his faith would be an inspiration to countless millions over generations. In fact, the Lord did not speak to Job until the very end of the book, and God asked Job a question. He said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And then listen to what God said in chapter 40, verse 2. Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. And so to me, the, the lesson in this story is, is really clear. When I face problems, people are going to line up to give me advice or tell me what's wrong in my life. But honestly, the only voice that matters is God's voice. And God doesn't have to tell me why. But you know what? Because he loves me and cares for me, he directs my life.
So when your world falls apart, number one, look up to God. Number two, listen to God. And when your world falls apart, number three, lean on God. Listen again to Job 13, verse 15. Job gives this creed, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So what happens, what happens when your world falls apart? Well, let's use Job's life as a model. Two times in this passage, it tells us in all this, in all these things that happened, Job did not sin, nor did Job charge God with wrong. So instead of blaming God, Job realizes that his only relief, his only salvation is in trusting God and leaning on the Lord. That takes us back to one of our favorite passages, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. At the end of the book, God rewarded Job with twice as much as he had before. Remember, he, he lost 10 kids. Guess what? God gave him 10 more children. And Job lived for another 140 years. And he watched four generations of his grandchildren grow up. You know, listening to a sermon on suffering is one thing. Coping with it is something totally different. And so if you're listening today and you're desperately looking for relief, you might find that the best answer to the why question is not a reason, but a person. Let me describe what I mean by that. Sixteen times, Job hurled to the heavens his anguished question, why? God never answered that question. Fifty-nine times, we encounter the word who in reference to God. And that simple change, the, the simple change of a Y to an O is what made all the difference. Job didn't need to know why. He just needed to know who. He needed to know who was in control, who to listen to, and who he could lean on. And Guys, the same thing is true for you. What you need today more than anything is to look up to God. You need to listen to what God has to say to you. And you need to lean on God. Michael Boggs is a friend of mine. He grew up at the West Tulsa Free Will Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Graduated high school, went to Hillsdale College, which is now Randall University. Uh, Michael's a few years younger than I am, so we weren't at college at the same time, but, but I knew all about him. He was, a, he was this great guitar player, and he literally changed the, uh, the chapel time at Randall University. Before his day, when we would have chapel, it, it would be usually a pretty good speaker, but the music was, was normally horrible. I mean, somebody would get up, maybe sing a special or lead us in a hymn. It, it wasn't anything special, but Michael Boggs stepped on campus, and one of his buddies, a guy named Matty Blair, started what was called the chapel band, and they revolutionized worship at Randall University. Well, again, Michael's a great guitar player. He left, 
Hillsdale, which is now Randall, and he hooked up with a group called FFH. They're no longer in existence today, but man, they, they were a great contemporary Christian band. They traveled all over the world, and, and in my early days of ministry, I, I listened to FFH all the time, loved their songs because I, I love Michael Boggs. One of the songs, though, I, I'll, I'll never forget, it's, in, it's entitled Still the Cross, and, and it's not a... It's, it's not one of those songs that you're just going to really tap your foot to or, or it's not a whole lot of energy. It's kind of a mellow song, but man, I tell you, it, it delivers a strong message. It makes a dogmatic claim that in a world where everything is in chaos and there are so many wrongs that occur, there is one place that you can go for relief and hope. It's the cross. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> But I am going to share some of the lyrics. Sometimes it seems the world's unraveling around us. Quick time out. I think we're living in those times, don't you? We fear it all may one day come undone. We can't forget the one who came before us to forgive the past and bring hope for what's to come. When it all comes crashing down, the cross still stands alone. And on this, our faith is built and our courage is made strong. When your world falls apart and you fear for your heart, there is a tower of peace. It's still the cross. And guys, in days like today, the best hope I can give you, the best direction I can point you in is the cross of Jesus. And if you've not done it before, today it's my prayer that you would look up to God, that you would listen to Him, and that you would lean your life on Him. I don't know who all is watching this or listening, but you know, maybe you're listening today and, and you've, never, you've never done that. You've never invited Jesus into your heart. Let me tell you something, guys. Today could be the best day of your life because Jesus wants to transform you, change you, save you, give you hope, write your name in the Lamb's book of life and save you for all eternity. You can trust him right now. Here at Kavanaugh Church, we say going to heaven is as simple as ABC. <laughs> a, admit that you're a sinner, sinner. And we all are. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe that only Jesus can save you from your sins, and he is the only one who can. And then C, confess him as Lord of your life. With your mouth, make that confession known, and in your heart you believe, and you'll be saved. So if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, why don't you just bow your head with me right now, and let's, let's just pray this very simple prayer and do that. Dear Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your love to me. And I pray that you would save me. I confess my sins and I ask that you take them away. Help me, dear Lord, to live for you, to love you, and to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, let us hear about it. Let us know. Uh, log on to KavanaughChurch.com. Give us a call. Text us. Email us. Let us know so that we can pray for you and help you in your spiritual growth. Thanks again for listening. Just, just a couple of, of announcements, and, and then we're going to cut this thing off. Uh, this, 
live feed is also going to play at 10.30. So uh, listen again. Uh, let your friends know so that they can watch online. Tonight at 6 o'clock, Brother Johnny is going to be on Facebook Live and also KavanaughChurch.com for all of you kids. He's going to have a special guest tonight at 6 p.m., so log in for that. Also at 6 p.m., Brother Nathan has a, a time of worship for our teenagers. It's going to be on Instagram Live. So you teenagers, log on and listen to Brother Nathan. Then at 6.30, uh, get back online again. Brother Stacy Chronister is going to do an adult Sunday school lesson. On Wednesday night, we're, we're going to be online again. Uh, Brother Jason is going to speak to you at 7 o'clock. And unless something changes... Next Sunday, we'll be online also again. Um, usually, it's at this point in our service where we take up our offering, but we don't have any ushers here, and there's no people. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, give online. Go to KavanaughChurch.com. Uh, click on that Give tab, and then Give Through Easy Tithe. If you don't want to do that, you can just write out a check and mail it to the church, 2825 Grinnell. Uh, right to the church, and, and we'll take it and, and thank you for it, all right? Uh, many people have called and asked, what, what about It's Our Turn campaign? Well, we're still praying, we're still anticipating, we're still making plans to build our new building. We've just put the campaign on pause until COVID-19 is over with and we can come back together as a church family. So continue to pray with me about that. One last thing. If you have any need whatsoever, please let us know. Uh, Brother Ray has assembled a team uh, that wants to minister to you. So if you need someone to go pick up prescriptions for you or pick up groceries for you or run an errand for you, uh, let us know that. You can do it on KavanaughChurch.com or you can call the church office. Uh, we're up here through the days. I, I want you to know that you're loved. I love you. The staff loves you. Most importantly, God loves you. You know what? We can get through this together because God's got it.